Hi there. What episode number is this? Great. Hi there. Welcome to the Right Right Podcast, Season 3, Episode 9. We are in the beginning of March, and therefore we have a new theme and a new guest. My name is Elon. I'm John. I'm Craig. And I'm Andrew. And our guest is Andrew Wood. Andrew, would you mind telling us a little bit about yourself? Yes, I am a uh, writer from Florida. I just released my debut novel, and uh, it is my aspiration to become a uh, self-sustaining writer. That's awesome. Tell us about your debut novel. It's, uh, it's called Storm of Fury. It is the first of a trilogy. It is an epic fantasy novel where this young boy is thrown into an eternal storm to face his angry god and beg for humanity's forgiveness. That sounds awesome. Uh, if you, this is kind of a hot seat question and I, I apologize in advance, but if you could compare your book or your writing to anyone, uh, current or, or, uh, buried, who, who do you think you aspire to write like? Who do you think your book sounds like? Uh, I would say that I, I've, if I could write like anybody, it'd definitely be Robert Jordan. Uh, he is a huge inspiration. I'd, I'd say that in, in tone and feel, I'm probably more like Brandon Sanderson, I don't know if I have Robert Jordan's style. That's a that's a hard thing to approach. For sure. He he was a peculiar guy, you know, his um <clears throat> his his conversational familiarity with so many different kinds of mythology, I think really informed the way he wrote. Um and Brandon Sanderson often talks about how much he wants to write uh transparent prose um that gets sort of out of the way of these epic things that he's trying to convey. Um and it was really interesting to read how he finished the wheel of time. Like I really liked Robert Jordan's books and I also really liked Brandon Sanderson's books in the same series, but they were different from each other. Noticeably mm -hmm. so. Um, it's definitely mm -hmm. something to think about, but uh, as a fan of the wheel of time and Robert Jordan's writing and as a mega fan of Brandon Sanderson, I can tell you uh, that I'm excited to read your book storm of fury and that's out now. Yes. It's available on Amazon. Cool. Well, congratulations on releasing your debut. That's super exciting. Thank you. Um, but we're on a podcast. And this podcast, in March, the ninth episode of the third season of the Right Ride podcast, is called The Long March. And it is a terrible pun. It's not even a pun. It's a play on words. And the point of this question for me at least, is how do we prepare ourselves for the long slog, you know, from, from idea to done? Because I've spoken to a lot of writers who have very different perspectives on this in terms of whether they prefer writing beginnings, whether they start by writing endings, whether they just have a scene in mind and it might be anywhere in the novel. Uh, but what I hear most frequently is writers who say that they don't like writing the middles of their books. Um, and I am here recording with three authors who have finished writing books, which means they made it through middles. Um, so what I want to ask of the three of you is kind of, what is your approach to daily writing? What is your approach to making it through the middle? Uh, unless, I mean, it's, if, it's, if it doesn't feel like making it through the middle, if you really relish writing the middle, what is it about the middle, uh, those sections of the book that excites you? Um, the, it's, it's, what, what I wrote in the notes here is that the daily writing adventure is a challenge and it's a process 
and we should discuss our writing habits, our rolling planes, our Casa Dooms, our Balrogs, and our Rivendells. What is my Balrog? Probably, uh, like a like a combined demon made of uh, work and procrastination. So. I've talked a lot. I've talked for like five minutes. It's usually what I do at the beginning of an episode. I'm going to kick it now over to all three of you. Do you love writing middles? Do you hate writing middles? The court is yours. I'll jump in before anyone. Uh, for me, the middle is actually the second most difficult for me, although I don't really realize it until I'm done my project. The most difficult part for me is actually the beginning like the very first paragraph, that is what I struggle with the most. And so I will sit with a project for one week, sometimes two weeks, sometimes a couple months before I actually write that first paragraph. And then it flows well. And then I hit the middle. And the middle is where I slow down quite a bit. I just got through the middle in a book I'm writing now. And it was quite tough. Um, but now I'm in the Part four, let's see, in my head, it's broken into five parts. So part four is where some people die. So it's a little bit more fun. Um, but yeah, the, the middles are a slog. Uh, I used to really hate the middle uh, back when I first started writing because I, I only wanted to write the, the exciting stuff, uh, the climaxes, the, the battles where the heroes face the dragons. That, that was the part I wanted to write. Um, as I've progressed, it, it's become easier for me because I like to think of my novels in different arcs. So it's less about, you know, this 70% of the chunk of the book is the middle, and more about uh, when when this character gets here, that's an ending, and that starts this new beginning kind of thing. And that helps me uh, keep up my, my uh, progress through the novel. Yeah, it's, it's like I want to write this exciting part, and my book can't all be exciting parts because it'll just exhaust people. Why do I have to write the middle at all? <laughs> um, John, you've been given time. You stalled. What's up? <laughs> Tell us your thoughts. Um, your book is all middle. A, <laughs> the reason <laughs> I'm having a hard time is because I, I mean, I feel like it's all hard. <laughs> <laughs> and I, do, I can't say, you know, like, I've struggled with endings, I've struggled with beginning, middle, um, like, and also, I've, I mean, I'm, I tend toward multiple drafts, so the thing that always gets me through is it'll be better next draft, so, <laughs> I mean, I just try to improve as much as I can, and I'm also quite a discovery writer even though I do a lot of outlining and planning I mean I throw it all out the window a lot of times and it's just because I can't predict exactly what solutions I'm going to need at particular part when I get there so and, and uh, so it's kind of like the hardest part for me with writing is just in every day getting started and once I'm there and I'm in the zone um, things start happening and I've just over time learned to not really make a big deal if it's been a bad day because that's just how it's like going to the gym do you have you have tough days you you know you have good days and and it's more about just the discipline of sticking it through and it, for me accepting that there's going to be rough spots beginning middle end all over the place and it'll work itself out so um yeah that's 
<laughs> I guess that's yeah. my best answer. It's a good perspective. <laughs> it is. You know, I'm thinking about the reason why this came to mind was because not 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 because of writing, but because so many people talk about reading the Lord of the Rings in this way about how the journey is such a pain it takes so long to get from place to place they have to stop and sing and get naked and sing and all this stuff you know and the way they represented that in the films was was very beautiful and exciting um because they had all of this all these additional tools to make the movement itself stimulating to behold Mm -hmm. um and I I I think that for me I'm not going to talk I'm not going to speak for all writers um I think f- for me the the fear the, the trepidation about uh around writing the middle is probably more to do with a feeling of unease based in an inability to make it exciting even though it can't mm. it's it can't all be like pedal to the metal um mm but it can still be like valuable and intriguing and kind of, uh, you know, worthy. And yeah, maybe it's just a mindset thing. Like I, I said it as a joke to you, John, but it is all middle. It sh- all novels should be all mm-hmm. middles. All stories are all middle because if you're, if you want people to believe your story when they read it, they should believe that there was something before it started and that there will be something after it ends. You should. They yeah. should be invested in the characters because they seem real from the first page, and they should be. They should feel that whatever resolution they come to at the final page, um, leaves them both satisfied and believing that th- that something will carry on, um, even if it was a tragic ending. You know, the world continues spinning unless it doesn't in your universe. Um, so yeah, yeah, I don't know. Maybe I've I've already like delved too deeply into some into some philosophical territory, but I think that that might be something worth considering because I, it was what's what sparked this thought is what you said about going to the gym and having a bad day but still going back the next day. Um, the all right, I'm going to go all over the place. This is I'm just warning you. This is about to get <laughs> ridiculous. So you know how like babies and like toddlers, if they can't get a cookie and they wanted a cookie, and they're losing their damn minds. And you are like, why, man? It's just a cookie. Um, They've never, ever had to deal with not getting a cookie before, so the sky is truly falling for them. And, like, thinking about it in those terms, I I, I only started thinking about it in those terms when my older brother explained to me why his kids were so devastated at refusals. And I was like, dude, what is the deal? Like, why? Like, I just, I, I don't want to play right now. Like, why Why does it send you into, into despair on this degree? Like, we'll play later. We've played before. It's just unfamiliar to them, this, this concept of, uh, like, it's not object permanence, but it's this idea that there's a there's a consistency and there's an ebb and flow and you know there's ups and downs to the world and to life and things might not happen today but they could happen tomorrow and this sort of notion that life goes on is very foreign until you learn it Mm -hmm. and i think that my approach to writing and so many new writers maybe this is why andrew you had the experience you did when you started writing more is that we grow accustomed to the realities that we build 
even subconsciously and understand that as we are constructing them, they are larger than we make them. They grow beyond our own imagining and we are just capturing a part of it. And, you know, it's not a beginning. It's not an ending. It's just a spot that thing that, that I started mm. talking and a part that I stopped talking. And maybe that's, if it's all middle, then it's all great. I don't know. I've talked too long. Everybody say stuff. Oh, yeah, that sounds very familiar. I I don't know if it was a poet or something, but I know I read somewhere where there, there are no ends to stories. There's just a spot where the storyteller stops talking. And uh, I think that's a very good uh, impression to leave on your reader, even if it might disappoint them that the story ends, or especially if it does. That could be a good thing. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, yeah. even going back to Robert Jordan, like the end of The Wheel of Time, uh, which evidently had been planned in depth long before he died um the world for sure goes on it goes on Mm -hmm. in a way that is bittersweet for the reader who's gotten to know all these characters it goes on in a way that's satisfying to watch someone who's gone through so much hardship just like get a chance to chill um everything all of the story elements wrap up and the world isn't like kaput now they actually get to do the living thing that they've all been fighting for um, and that's really important because those were the stakes from the start. The notion. Yeah, I that love how. Uh, yeah. How he used those like uh, in like books leading up to the end, he used like the flash forward stuff to show what would happen to all these different characters, and he did it in such a way that you could you know still feel tension, but it was it was just a very good way to to wrap everybody's characters up, even before yeah, the series. I, I totally agree. Um, one thing, one thing that I found with Robert Jordan's books, um, like Wheel of Time*, is it got closer to the end. It felt like his sense of where the end was stretched just a bit further. So <laughs> it was kind of like um, in math an asymptote. So like you never, mm-hmm. you it's like you're going to infinity, but so you just get closer and closer as you approach. And I felt like that was happening in his last books. And I mean that's why even though he had a twelfth, I mean. The twelfth book was so big, it would not have been one book. And and I, you know, I wonder, had he gone on like that, would there be seventeen books, or where was it going? Because like there was this sort of very huge cosmic conflict that was, you know, building up between Rand and the Dark One. And I love that. That was the that was the thing. I mean, we're we're promised that right in the prologue. Yeah. Um. And I mean, you want to talk about something that's like a great middle i mean the wheel of time some people have criticized it for dragging on but i love that because i never wanted hit the end right you yeah you, he, i mean winter's really heart that oh, winter's yeah. heart was he definitely tough, had books but that were like, all middle mm-hmm. it's hard when like you know he, he leaves you on a cliffhanger with one character and he's like see you in two novels and you're like no 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 no, no, no. i'm not gonna read 1200 pages to find out what the hell perrin's doing no and now i yeah. don't want 1200 pages of what perrin's doing when it's boring um so yeah that that series is all middle but you know something that you said about uh the prologue and there's also something to call out about the way that every book starts um the prologue is a novella basically i don't know how many Mm -hmm. words it is but it's freaking enormous Mm -hmm. like it's so big it's such a it's it's complete it starts in the middle of a crazy battle it defines this whole insane world it is it is absolutely enormous in scope and then every book starts with, uh, this isn't the beginning, but it is one. And that, it just, like, 
it becomes this, you know, device through which you understand that this is a persistent world and you're just hopping in right now. Um, and that's a really fun thing. It's, it's, it was always fun to read the first paragraph of a new wheel of time book. You know, yeah. I, it's just kind of mm-hmm. sweet. It's a sweet feeling to be like, ah, I know this passage. I like this passage. Yep. Um, and if you're not a wheel of time fan, this episode sucks for you. <laughs> uh, so sorry about that. I, I am not a wheel of time fan. Tell us about Star Trek. Single book. Tell us about Star Trek, Greg. Go. Uh, <laughs> what do you want to know? That's all middle. It's all middle. Star Trek That's is true. all middle. I mean, think it's about good middle. Right? <laughs> it, it, Where is the beginning? That's a question. Yeah. Where is you the know? beginning in Star Trek? That's a question. Well, don't they keep releasing series out of sequence with each other chronologically? Yes. And then mm-hmm. they'll have flashbacks that go back even earlier. Mm-hmm. So, or sometimes yeah. they go back in time for no reason. Yeah, exactly. Well, and sometimes it's not even real, and oh, it was just okay. a holodeck, and they just needed to punch a dude in the twenties for fun. <laughs> Which excellent, always excellent. Oh yeah. Um. So okay, let's. So we've meandered into the philosophical, which is, you know, super fun always. Uh, but let's let's dig down into the practical. How do you get yourself psyched up to write when you're feeling? kind of like ugh, the middle because even though we've just acknowledged this sort of very sweet cosmic poetry of writing uh you still got to sit down and write it and you can still be like right. oh, God, the <laughs> freaking middle um so how do, how do you deal with that how do you deal with that feeling uh for me the ending the part i want to write is a dangling carrot on the stick in front of me because that's what I want to write. And I'm not one of those writers that can write out of sequence. I write start to finish. And the only way I can get there is if I write that damn middle. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I I have to prepare my mind every day. <laughs> and, I mean, I've built a routine, um, uh, daily writing, and just the order of things that I do every day. And I find that that helps me know that I'm showing up at this time to write. My two hour, I mean, I, I, I was pretty strict at sticking to two hours, but I've let that vary a bit. Some days I go more than two, um, but it's just this overall idea that I'm sitting here for a block of time. It's not like 10 minutes or whatever. Um, and it's going to happen. Um, and I find that even on bad days, I can, I can sit there in the chair and, you know, I've learned to do stuff when the timer's on. It's like, I know I have to write, I have to solve this problem. And, and I, I mean, I like problem solving. So that's, that's sometimes the perspective I look at. I mean, whatever I have to do, it's there. I just have to find it. So um, I find that sort of getting myself psyched up and in that headspace um, and the, just the habit and the consistency over time, it adds up. I mean, I could be stuck in one chapter for more than a week. And I mean, there will be insights and things I do, and it's not always linear. Like I do try to go in order, but I mean, I might backtrack and rewrite as I discover things later. And so it's really, I'm just, I'm getting this chapter done and I have my daily approach and I get through. So um, it's, yeah, that's how I do it. Yeah, I'll, I'll either use Craig's method, which is a good method if I'm super excited for a scene, because I, I can't work out of order either. Um, but I also work in a bunch of different projects all at once. So if I'm stagnating in one, I can jump into a short story, work on the climax of that, and kind of get my writing excitement quota, and then jump back into 
my main project and you know plod through the more methodical parts yeah i think I like that's, that that's closer too. to what i do as well yeah. um i i was thinking about what my answer would be to that question uh while you guys talked and i realized that i tend to feel the most excited about writing when i'm doing a lot of reading like i'll read something that i thought was really awesome and then i'll write something totally different but i'll just something about reading a passage even of just a well-turned sentence just i'm like oh man that was awesome i want to go right um and last week uh, for the first time in a very long time i read two books um and i just realized how much i missed reading as my primary leisure activity um and so i've just kind of tried to keep that going and i've found that i want to write more um and that that was an unexpected result of just realizing how much i want to read um so that that's kind of cool too like it's it's nice that we have a lot of different ways to get ourselves excited about writing um that's uh that's uh that's that's good we did good <laughs> uh we're we're just about at 20 minutes which is the uh the the closing time of our of our episode here um so unless anyone has any thoughts to add to uh my my stuttering nonsense you covered i'm just it. wondering what? i'm just wondering if i should be reading wheel of time based on what mm, i've heard yes yeah, yeah. no uh, <laughs> no okay in like, the office wheel of time is awesome but some of the representations are super flat and it gets annoying because he hangs on the types of identifying tags that are just like rote repetitions or turns of phrase. Like a woman can't just only think in terms of fishing metaphors. That's not how anyone works. Like those kinds of things really irked me. People have a lot more depth than Robert Jordan gave them, but what he gave you instead is an enormous cast of characters. Mm -hmm. And so what characters lack individually in terms of internal variety they it makes up for it with tremendous variety in uh, customs, cultures, character archetypes. Um, I also really like that there are tiny genre stories within the Wheel of Time. Like there is a full on horror story just mm -hmm. like smack dab in, in the middle. And you're like, what? This what? And it, <laughs> it, it, it's it's just so much book. But. If it's not your cup of tea and you still kind of want to know what happens, a friend of mine got turned on to the Wheel of Time because uh, I told him he had to read it. And by the time he got to book four, he's like, dude, I don't know if I can do 14 books of this. That's a lot of book. Um, and he found a website that basically goes chapter by chapter and reduces the full length of the chapter to like a 500 word summary. And so he just kind of read about what happened and felt satisfied. And I was like, hey, man, if that's what you got to do, it's a lot of book. I'm not going to judge you if you don't want to read it. Um, one f more just tidbit about it. Um, the audiobooks for The Wheel of Time are exquisite. Uh, Michael Kramer and Kate Redding uh, read the audiobooks uh, as a team, and they are phenomenal. Um, mm. Really, really good audiobooks. Some of the highest quality production of audiobooks in terms of just, like, consistency variety of voices the performance just it i've listened to it entire in, in its entirety five times all 14 books um and i've only read the books on paper once wow. because i've read the books on paper because i had to but the performances are so good that i just keep wanting to go back and listen to them again um fortunately they also do other books but that's neither uh, here nor there 
I think it's funny the uh, the fact that you know the fourteen books seems overwhelming. My uh, though I I actually haven't read the Wheel of Time books myself. My father used to read them to me when no I was way. younger. Yeah, we went through like the first ten books and it took us like three years to get through them. It was so good. And then That's I read awesome. them by myself. Yeah, I got introduced to it by an old boss who was like, I think you'd like this. And he had, it was before book 12 came out, and he had all 11 uh, at the summer camp that I was working at. Um, and I made it through six that summer, and then I had wow. to go buy them myself. Um, but I, I like stopped hanging out with people. I stopped doing anything <laughs> but reading books. And I was reading until like 4 a.m. every single day. And my boss, he was like, I shouldn't have done that. I should have known better than to do that. And <laughs> now I'm stuck with you like this. Like I would, I was hiding it under my desk. Like I used to in high school. Um, I was the kid who got books confiscated in class, which I think is deeply <laughs> ironic. Anyway, now we've meandered plenty. Thank you podcasters for joining me. Thank you listeners for joining us and we will catch you next week. Bye-bye.